0: Ladies and gentlemen, kicking off the first stop on his world tour, our new president and prophet, Russell M. Nelson! (laughs) You say you want some revelation, well here you go, it's gonna blow your freaking mind.
1: Greetings brothers and sisters, welcome to the weekly Mormon News Roundup. I'm your humble host, D-Base, which is talent on loan from Colab. My crew and I ruminate weekly on the Great and Spacious Beehive, so thanks so much for joining us to discuss the latest current Mormon events. This is uh, episode 81, and it's October 17th, 2023. We have Ryan Josiah from TikTok, he's co-hosting. We're going to be keeping you up to speed on Tim Ballard, who's been sued not once but twice now. We're going to fill in all the details and uh, a clip from Elder Bednar has gone really viral. We're going to break that down for you, and we're going to give you much, much more. If you want to get in touch with me, I'm at uh, www.mormonnewsroundup.org, or you can send me an email to colob at mormonnewsroundup.org. I'd like to invite onto, my, uh, onto the program my fabulous co-host, Ryan Josiah. Ryan, how's it going? Hi, so glad to be here. Thanks for uh, having me on. Yeah, I've been a big fan of yours for a very long time. Now, what, um, what is your One Minute Mormon story, Ryan? Uh, Well, a bit of my background, I just come from a very
2: Mormon family, as Mormon as you get. I think just about every uh, line of ancestry of mine goes back to the pioneers. Uh, So I lived a very Mormon life, checked all the boxes, you know, um, got my Eagle Scout, uh, graduated from seminary, served a mission when I turned 19. Uh, When it came time to go to college, of course, I went to BYU because, like, there was no other... Uh, option in my mind anyway. While at BYU, my senior year at BYU, I met and married my wife within the same semester at BYU. So we were one of those couples. And uh, then a couple of kids, and several years later, we both kind of, um, we had some individual and marital issues that uh inspired us to get into individual therapy i guess and individual therapy changed how we thought about everything including spirituality and so our spiritual journey has changed as uh, you know we've we've changed quite a bit in the last few years we no longer uh participate or believe in the like the the core aspects of mormonism but i consider myself more of a cultural uh mormon uh, ethnically a mormon type of thing and it's still a serious hobby of mine to delve into the not only the current events of what's happening within the church, but also I am a bit of a history nerd. I've spent a lot of time learning about the ins and outs of Mormon history, more specifically with polygamy, as, you know, my ancestry has a lot of Mormon polygamy in it. So learning about Mormon polygamy history is learning about my my own family history. And so, yeah, that's uh, what brought me here is my spiritual journey and being able to have a platform like TikTok to share what I've learned with others, essentially.
1: Yeah, speaking of uh, TikTok, you're out here, you have a very popular channel here, Ryan, uh, that's got a lot of followers on it. Um, what is your TikTok channel? What do you do there? What's it all about?
2: Well, I, I started it because of a coworker A friend of mine who kept pushing me to, uh, you know, I would talk with him about things that were happening within the church and share with him my, my opinions and things. And he kept saying, Oh, you would, you would do so well on TikTok. You could do so if you just said that type of thing. And then I just didn't have the confidence. uh, And I especially didn't have the know-how of doing TikTok. So I eventually did get started with his help as he showed me how to make videos, how to do some video editing and uh, so I started uh, with this goal of just sharing what I have learned in my, you know, nerding out about history and what's happening within the church and church uh, news and history. I made some videos on just these these big things uh, like the Second Amendment type of, th- uh, Second Amendment, second- <laughs> you can tell it's been happening in the news right now, the Second Anointing oh okay and, and what, <laughs> yeah. what happens with the second anointing and uh, uh just big things like that like going through the history and then i've just gone on from there with whatever's happening with current events kind of like what you do on your channel here following the news reacting to what's happening within the church uh, reacting to comments within within TikTok, tiktok as far as what's happening there there's a whole world a whole culture that happens even within the platform
1: yeah, so yeah, that's how I came across you. Yeah, I came across your channel. It's some um, very, very interesting stuff. You know, there's a lot of, um, I would say, very acidic, very callous, very inflammatory ex Mormon TikToks, and you're like the nicest ex Mormon TikToker of all time. So that's really caught my attention. Can can we play one of your TikToks here? Uh, uh and let's uh, can we play one of these for for everybody? Sure, yeah. And, uh, OK, yeah, let's, yeah. Uh, let's, let's pick this one. Here we go.
3: No one else can do what a righteous woman can do. No one can duplicate the influence of a mother. Men can and often do communicate the love of Heavenly Father and the Savior to others. But women have a special gift for it. A divine endowment. You have the capacity to sense what someone needs, and when they need it. You can reach out, comfort, teach, and strengthen someone in his or her very moment of need. Women see things differently than men do. And oh, how we need your perspective. Your nature leads you to think of others first, to consider the effect that any course of action will have on others. My dear sisters, we need you. We need your strength, your conversion, your conviction, your ability to lead, your wisdom, and your voices. We simply cannot gather Israel without you.
1: Okay, so what's the what's the point behind that TikTok there? Uh, I had made
2: an almost identical video six months ago with April's conference, where there were only two women speakers, and it uh, I created it just to highlight the the difference uh, it, between I guess words versus actions. The phrase is "actions speak louder than words," and this is one of those that really goes to show that there are disparities within the church that sometimes church leaders don't like to own up to or face where he will say that, that we value women and their voices and we need you. And yet he doesn't show that very much in who he invites to speak in general conference. And I think that's one thing that church leaders could listen to people and make some valuable changes without changing any doctrine or anything. That's one small thing that, I I wanted to highlight that to just be a voice of of change to maybe be an influence in some small way.
1: Yeah, and what I also like about uh, your TikTok channel is the fact that you do a lot of current events on there. You did reactions to all of the general conference and, um I think every single one of the sessions. You're up on the latest current events. These are not not necessarily long-standing issues. Now there's definitely a place for delving into history and poring over pioneer diaries that's personally not what really floats my boat and i guess i mean that's kind of the reason that the mormon news roundup exists is because i like to talk contemporary lds news and it seems yeah. like you stay yeah. up on it pretty well um why why are you staying up on it so well why are you reacting to it um you know why is it that you're staying in this space if you're you said you're not really going to church much anymore well,
2: I do. I, I not only live in Utah, but also I just have so many friends and family who are still, you know, active, believing in the church. So even if I were to completely step away, they say, if you're going to leave the church, leave it alone. It doesn't leave me alone as far as like my daily life, and so it. I I appreciate being in the know as far as what's happening and what say what might. When my parents and siblings are told a general conference about people who leave the church and uh, so i'd like to share those things with others so like i was saying a minute ago i liked to share the things that i learned in my nerdy research i also like to share the things that are currently happening that you might not know if you're not subscribed to say solid tribune
1: Yeah. Um, Well, that's great. And uh, we're going to link to your uh, to your TikTok channel in the show notes on Mormon News Roundup. We also have a TikTok channel for those of you TikTokers out there. I think most of my followers are bots or Chinese bots. So I think most of (laughs) yours are I think most of yours are real, though. So I guess that's the difference between the two of us. You do have our our, uh, Mormon News Roundup joke of the week, though, for us. And uh, we're all ears for this one, Ryan. All right. I
2: haven't gone through all of the previous episodes to know which jokes have and have not been told. Uh this one uh has different answers to it. It's the traditional how many Mormons does it take to change a light bulb? How there how are various answers. My favorite is just one to change the light bulb, but fifteen to say it's never been changed.
1: Ah, very nice. You know, it th- does take fifteen to get things done properly, I've heard. So, That's right. you know, uh, <laughs> so Yeah. You, you know, you can find uh you can find this podcast on um on uh on Apple Podcast. You can find it on Spotify. If you could leave us a five star review, um we'd be very grateful for that. We also release all of our episodes onto YouTube. On to Facebook if you want to find us there. We'd be very grateful for that. Now we're hopping into this uh, week's news here, and right off the bat here, Tim Ballard. He's, um, you know, he's still making a lot of headlines here, Ryan here. And this was breaking earlier in the week uh, back on uh, October night, uh, and breaking uh, Tim Ballard, you know, famous uh, Latter Day Saint, our former Latter Day Saint. You use uh, the rumor is that he has been had his membership removed a short time ago, but five women have sued Tim Ballard and his Operation Underground Railroad which was supposedly an organization which was supposed to be rescuing children from uh, sexual uh, sexual trafficking and rescuing other needy persons. Um, five women have sued him and other Operation Underground Railroad executives uh, have accused Ballard of sexual assault and battery and accusing others of fraud, conspiracy to commit sexual assault, and Intentional Affliction of Emotional Distress. This Tim Ballard mess, it is unraveling here, Ryan. What are your initial thoughts? I know that you follow this stuff. What's your initial thoughts on what's happening this week with Tim Ballard?
2: Well, this is an interesting one for me to follow because I actually went to his first film in, at least in Utah theaters. I think it was just in Utah. He had a couple before this major blockbuster film that just happened a few months ago. And the first was either in 2017 or 18. And my wife and I went to it in the theater, you know, fully supporting and excited about what he was doing. But I remember even back then people talking about, you know, questioning his methods and whether they were effective. And uh, at the time I was, you know, in, in full support and backing him up but now, years later, as more and more comes out, there are things that are starting to make sense in my mind. Uh, looking back, you know, putting the pieces together, less and less is surprising that as, as these things come out now, these women are accusing him of misconduct that makes sense in a way that makes a lot of people uncomfortable and a lot of people would rather de- either deny or just hope against all hope that it's not true
1: essentially so
2: it's not all too yeah. surprising unfortunately
1: uh, yeah unfortunately it's um all all too we've seen these type of uh, situations in the past and um you know it's it seems you know it's, a, it's an absolute absolute mess here i found a news article here that i wanted to play that uh, basically summarizes in case for those people who haven't been following this news very carefully if this is your first time watching the mormon news roundup we're going to catch up the speed i found a fox 13 um News uh, summary uh, about three minutes long, which is going to uh, bring everybody here up to date on women filing a lawsuit against Tim Ballard claiming sexual assault and battery.
0: Top story tonight new insight into the ongoing story involving Tim Ballard and the nonprofit he founded, Operation Underground Railroad. We've learned both Ballard and Operation Underground Railroad and others are now being sued in a Utah court. It's a story Fox 13 News investigative team has been following for three years now. But it wasn't until about a month ago that new allegations of sexual harassment came out against Tim Ballard. Then just a few weeks ago, an attorney for the woman accusing Ballard spoke publicly alleging sexual assault and fraud by the man who was supposed to be rescuing people from human trafficking. Tonight, Fox 13 News has its hands on that complaint, and we've been combing through its dozens of pages. As Fox 13 News investigative reporter Nate Carlisle explains, the women suing Tim Ballard and OUR contend those trips they took with him overseas were not what they appeared to be. This is a photo of talk show host Glenn Beck with M. Russell Ballard of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and Operation Underground Railroad founder Tim Ballard. The two Ballards are not related, and Tim Ballard is the only man in this photograph named as a defendant in the lawsuit. Among the plaintiff's claims, Tim Ballard used the Mormon faith to manipulate people.
2: I'm the bad guy in the story. I'm the bad guy in the story that rescued
1: over 7,000 women and children.
0: Tim Ballard has denied any wrongdoing, and neither he nor representatives of Operation Underground Railroad, or OUR, returned messages seeking comment Monday. <inaudible> Five women say they are Utah residents who worked with or for O-U-R. The rescue operations typically involve first-class travel for O-U-R personnel, the lawsuit says. And in strip clubs and massage parlors, Ballard sometimes drank alcohol until he passed out. Our involvement with Operation Underground Railroad was rooted in our commitment to fighting against human trafficking. But while engaging in that noble cause, we were subjected to sexual harassment, spiritual manipulation, grooming, And sexual misconduct. The suit described the couple's ruse where Ballard and a woman he selected would go undercover. The women say the ruse became a means for sexual grooming, that Ballard would share a bed or shower with them. The women described unwanted touching and coerced sex acts. One paragraph of the suit says Ballard would insist that the women stay silent about their alleged sexual encounters with him because if they would told anyone, it would put everyone's lives at risk. On the ops mission, it was necessary to save the trafficked children and because he was blessed by President Ballard to be future president of the United States and then the prophet of the Mormon Church. The behavior of Tim Ballard crossed the line and these women cannot remain silent. The plaintiffs say O-U-R and its board learned of Ballard's behavior, but it stayed silent in order to make money earlier this year from the film The Sound of Freedom, which dramatizes Ballard and the rescue missions. The five plaintiffs are asking for damages to be proven at trial. Their attorneys are playing a news conference for Wednesday in the studio.
1: Yeah, so you know what? What an absolute mess here! Not only is his organization—these suppo- uh, are all allegations. He's supposedly, he wasn't rescuing children. Uh, the, the the some of the missions that we know were complete busts. It appears to be enriching himself. That's the allegation. He's got sexual battery. It's uh, getting worse and worse for uh, Tim Ballard every single week. It seems like another shoe is dropping, and there's serious LDS connections all the way to the top to the acting president of the 12th this is a complete and utter debacle ryan
2: yeah yeah it's uh i feel so awful for the for the victims involved Uh, at the same time it's I i don't know if it if entertaining is the right word as i keep hearing more and more things come out because if you learn about Abuse and manipulation, and you know the the word of the last decade has been gaslighting. That everyone has kind of learned that side of of abuse. Those who engage in abuse and gaslighting manipulation, when they are caught at this, it's a very like it's a well known pattern that they will deny, 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 until they're forced into a corner and know that there's no backing out, and then they'll let out just as little as possible and you know at first it was like no 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 i did not engage in any of this and then oh no i i guess we did shower together but it was the couples ruse you know it's just one one little detail at a time
1: yeah. And, and the same from the church's statements, it seemed like the church at the beginning saying, "Oh, OK, there's nothing happening. They didn't know each other. Then, OK, maybe they did have an association. But yeah. but Elder Ballard, he never gave him anything. There was no endorsement. We keep getting the onion keeps getting peeled back here and it keeps uh, getting more disgusting every time we take a sniff. And this isn't just a regional, Ryan, uh, as you well know, this isn't just a regional um, uh, news article here. It, it's making the the. it's going across the the Washington Post has picked it up, for instance, Tim Ballard of Sound of Freedom fame accused of sexual misconduct. I mean, this started pretty small with Vice News. And the clip that we just watched was from Utah regional Fox 13 affiliates. Those are somewhat, you know, somewhat small or somewhat fringe media outlets. These are this is going global here with uh, Washington Post and others. And the reason is, is because we have the Sound of Freedom. Which uh, was which a bit, was a big blockbuster hit in the summer. Yeah, so a now surprising
2: every... blockbuster hit. I was surprised at how big it went, and everybody knows about it now as a result.
1: Yeah, everybody knows. That's the crazy thing is that everybody knows about it now, and so the cats out of the back. There's a couple of other ones that I want to share with you here, and this is uh, you know the Blaze Media. We saw a picture of Glenn Beck. That was a really good uh, three minute news summary, by the way, the best one I could find this week. Glenn Beck from. Uh, um, who who is an active uh, member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints report that Tim Ballard used the same justification to get women to engage in sexual acts that Joseph Smith used. This is a common uh, theme from the women who spoke with Blaze News, is that Ballard would use spiritual manipulation to coerce them into sexual activities. Most, if not all, of the women who spoke with Blaze News have had some affiliation with the LDS Church. At some point in their lives, and in many cases, Ballard would cite for them passages from the Book of Mormon, in which a man kills another man at the promptings of the Holy Spirit. According to multiple women, the purpose of this reference was to demonstrate that sometimes the Holy Spirit asks people to perform, quote, unconventional tasks, presumably such as engaging in extramarital sexual contact. So we've seen these type of things happen over and over again, and it really, it really chills my blood
2: yeah that's that's problematic in order it, citing scripture in the first place with uh, is problematic but citing that scripture especially uh, you can just buy anything using that justification uh the, in that case it was murder in the book of Mormon but it was okay because it's better for one man to perish and for a whole nation to dwindle and perish in unbelief. And you know, it's okay if we drink some alcohol and uh, and do some inappropriate this and that because it's for a greater purpose. And uh, and plus, we're, we're going to make money off of
1: Blockbuster. Well, it also reminds me of uh, Joseph Smith and uh, Nancy Rigdon. That which is that which is condemned in one circumstance may be appropriate in another. That was mm-hmm. the same type of grooming techniques that Joseph Smith used yeah. with, uh, with Nancy Rigdon, who was um, <clears throat> very young as well, which brings me up to this uh, ne- next meme, which I wanted to share. We have uh, a button here. Tim Ballard's <laughs> coercive tactics to sexually manipulate women were gross and he should be in jail or... You want to push the button that says Joseph Smith's coercive tactics to manipulate teenagers to marry him weren't bad because it was a different time. And this is a kind of a tough button to push uh, for Latter-day Saints because there seems to be a lot of similarities here, Ryan, between what Tim Ballard is claiming and what Joseph Smith did.
2: You know, th- this isn't the first time we've seen this either. There's the, the meme that I've seen quite a few times with the image of Warren Jeffs in one corner and Joseph Smith in the, other. well, let's see. No, maybe it's just Warren Jeffs. Anyway, but it but it says like Warren Jeffs had so many wives by the time he was 37 years old, the youngest being 14 and blah, blah, blah. Oh, wait, no, that was Joseph Smith. Sorry, my bad. I get the two of them mixed up. And so we've seen this before and here we go again. And this is one of those common themes that you see within the former Mormon community where people have a hard time learning these things, uh well, they they it it's hard internally to learn these things when it feels like the church is still trying to hide the fact that this is how it worked back then. And then to me, if you can learn these things and be open and honest with your history and still claim to believe, that's one thing. Uh, it, it's it, but doing that with uh, with this current news event with Tim Ballard, the, I don't know. There's there's no justifying it in my mind. I don't know how people are con- still continuing to support Tim Ballard throughout all this, and, and yet there are some.
1: Yeah, there there seems to be a lot of people because I think I think really what it comes down to is the fact that you know, and Lynn Packer's reporting on Mormonism live in his YouTube channel this week really pointed this out is that there was deep connection between senior LDS leadership and Tim Ballard and if you say that Tim Ballard is in the wrong that he was that these accusations are correct and that he was a morally reprehensible person and that he engaged in a fraud and that he was sexually grooming people and that he was a horrible depraved individual whose entire life is built on a sham if you say that on the one hand The problem is, is that he was touted in Deseret Book. He was touted in BYU devotionals. And Lynn Mm -hmm. Packer's reporting shows a close connection between him and senior leaders of the church. And it begs the question, well, how in the world is the church explicitly, in some cases, endorsing a person with such reprehensible morals? If you keep Tim Ballard on a pedestal, then you can keep the church leadership on a pedestal at the same time. And there's no problem. That's how I see people trying to justify something that. If you were to look at any other religion or any other circumstance, you would say this seems to be every indication here seems to indicate somebody who really needs a lot of help and is lucky that he is breathing the fresh air and not behind bars.
2: Well, we want to justify things that we're more related to in order for it. It's an internal mechanism so that we don't go crazy. And so, so many people have invested so much emotional time and energy into Tim Ballard and O-U-R, that now to have to go complete opposite to, you know, flip U E all of a sudden uh, in their head, that is really hard mentally and emotionally because it makes you feel like you're going crazy. You've been wrong this whole time. And the brain doesn't like that. And so I'm, I'm seeing that a lot on social media as people are starting to grapple with the fact that, we were led along for so long with Tim Ballard, and and now there's no going back. And we're just going deeper and deeper into this hole of, of his.
1: Yeah, I mean, the world wants. I mean, I want Tim. I want Tim Ballard to be a hero. I I want people to rescue children. Who who wants children to be yeah. sexually oh, trafficked? Yeah. You know, and and he he was he was supposed to be a shining example of what a great Latter Day Saint can be. I I, I applaud that uh you know there's there's nothing wrong with that in fact that's very uh, that's very laudable you know we should have great examples we should oh, yeah have that's why he had
2: such a blockbuster hit because who doesn't want that
1: I, I, everybody does but the problem yeah. is, is we got the second lawsuit here that it's not just one lawsuit this isn't just a couple of disgruntled employees here the second lawsuit also broke this week here ryan um has been filed against tim ballard our rescue its board and also the other uh organization tim ballard he no longer works at our But he started a new organization called the Spear Fund, which uh, supposedly does about the same thing that has been named in a lawsuit. And the suit is from a couple. The wife alleges sexual assault and fraud. And the husband claims that uh, he separated from his wife because of the wedge that Ballard created and claims that the husband was threatened. I mean, this is just this is a disaster. And I I don't know if I um, am. Am I bad because I enjoy watching this? I mean, I don't enjoy the human carnage, but. I don't know. Maybe I'm sick and demented because I am going to be watching this very carefully. I want to see well, how it all plays if you're out. You're
2: demented. I'm demented. There with you because, yeah, like I was saying a minute ago, that uh, is entertaining. The right word because it's kind of entertaining to see him dig his own hole. Uh, well, I guess he's already dug his own grave. We're just we're just finally uncovering this grave and how deep it gets and it just keeps getting deeper. I, if I learned anything from, from the Me Too movement, it's that we need to believe the victims, and there are just more and more victims who are speaking out against
1: him. I mean, everybody is speaking out against him. For those of listeners out there, um, we're, we drop these episodes onto YouTube live every Sunday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Can you leave us a comment? What What do you think about this, Tim Ballard? Are, are people obsessed with this for no good reason, including myself? Um, do we need to move along? Um, do we need to let justice uh, run its course? Is it a morbid fascination? What, what are your thoughts on Tim Ballard? Should we continue to cover that with the Mormon News Roundup? We'd really like to know. Now, our, our next article here, uh, Ryan, because we cover all the news, we could spend a lot of time. There's a lot of podcasts and a lot of shows that have spent a lot of time on this. We could spend a lot of time. We just don't have it. But this next article is very, very interesting because, you know, we, were, we just had General Conference that happened a couple of weeks ago. And the mm-hmm. fallout and the uh, memes and things, they keep coming out. And this is one clip that actually happened just before conference with uh, Elder Bednar here. He was at the uh, Silicon Slope Summit, um, and he made this incredible claim about General Conference and the amount of people who actually watch it. I want to cue this up for you, and uh, let's hear how many people the Elder Bednar thinks actually watch General Conference.
2: We're going into conference this weekend we just launched a streaming service and are just trying to get it to Utah and Idaho. I can't imagine the scope of the streaming and the technology that you have. Can you give every one of you into the scope and reach of what's about to take place this week? Yeah, General Conference goes to hundreds of millions of people all over the earth. Uh, over the past number of years we've uh, been very successful on every continent, of uh, having general conference broadcast through local media stations. So, you'll have uh, in Sao Paulo, Brazil, they'll have two or three sessions of conference on local TV stations. And increasingly, this happens all over the world. So, hundreds of millions of people.
1: See hundreds of millions of people are watching general conference. That's more than I thought was going to be the number
2: huge congratulations to them. He didn't just say well, I didn't realize he'd said it twice. I didn't listen to that clip m- closely enough the first time apparently. He is he is confident with that number. So <laughs> huge congratulations for hundreds of
1: millions of people. You know, I thought I thought 17 million was a stretch, you know. Okay, this just really reminds me of the Trump inauguration where you had He said that it was the largest inauguration of all time. But when you compare the photos between Obama's inauguration, which the National Mall was absolutely packed. You couldn't find a hotel room in Washington, D.C., which is where I live. And then you compare the pictures with Donald Trump's inauguration. It wasn't the biggest one. It seems like we're, we're boasting about something. And I just don't know why. Why do we always feel the need to inflate everything? Why do we have to it has to be hundreds of millions of people watching conference. Why can't we just you know, say, hey, this was really great for the 4 million or so active Latter-day Saints and actually yeah. only about maybe 2 million of them actually watched it. Why can't we just be honest? Why do we have to exaggerate?
2: I wonder if it has something to do with the event itself. What he is there for is, isn't it for businesses? Weren't there yeah. CEOs? Tech, tech of and are businesses.
1: Are? Yeah. yeah.
2: And uh, I feel like, Uh, well, I wonder if he's justifying his presence there in the first place. You know, I almost made a video for my channel when I heard that he was going to be there, just scrolling through the names of everyone who is at that conference, CEO of this company and the president of that company. And they're all these multi-billion dollar companies, not all of them, but but a lot of them. And then David Bednar of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, you know, they've been trying to distance themselves from the money aspect because of the hundreds of billions of dollars that, that everyone's been talking about the last year or two. And yet here he is at a business conference talking about money and how they're successful with their money. So I feel like he has to, he has to be successful and talk up the numbers in order to justify being there as a representative for a church.
1: Maybe, maybe so. Now, we had Evan from the Book of Evan on the podcast uh, before, uh, back on a previous episode. He always has, has a lot of good tweets out there. He's one of the most underrated Twitter accounts out here. But he said, hey, you're obviously only counting the mortal realm. Hundreds of millions on the other side of the veil is a low estimate. You know, Ryan billions of our ancestors are actually watching conference every single day. That has
2: to be what he's talking about. <laughs> Hundreds
1: of billions of people who are just waiting for you to baptize them in the temple. <laughs> yeah, and they're glued to that general conference. And uh, Chino Blanco, who also follows oh, the glorious. news here, he's actually the one who uh, tweeted this out. He says, uh, David A. Bednar brings his special math to the Silicon Slope Summit. Hundreds of millions of <laughs> people see conference when it takes place. Cool story, bro. Cool story, bro. <laughs> yeah, that's... I think That's that pretty much, I think that pretty much sums it up for me. But I actually did a tiny bit of research about the hundreds of millions of uh, number here. And if you oh, look, yeah. I looked up on uh, Google here uh, for the most, uh, for the for the events that actually have the most amount of people in human history. The number one event for the most amount of people watching was actually the Apollo 11 moon landing with wow. maybe around 125 to 150 million. Then you have a couple of Super Bowls in there at around 110 million and Richard Nixon's uh, resignation speech at like 110 million. So general conference, it should be above all this should be right. Most of this should be general conference. It, it seems it like based should on be, yeah. apparently. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't know. I, I see people going
2: out to buy their big screen TV for the Super Bowl didn't realize people were doing that for general conference too
1: yeah you know i think i think it could be uh wikipedia religious persecution that there uh, the numbers are deflated it, it, but I, I did uh, it could be you know people give me a lot of comments in the comment section they say there's too much sarcasm in this podcast but i can't help it but i actually looked this up ryan look i looked up uh, at uh, president nelson's uh famous uh think celestial talk which i know you uh covered on your channel here and, uh, you know, you haven't looked at it yet, but uh, give me a guess here, uh, Ryan. I'm putting you on the spot. About how many people do you think, this was about two weeks ago, how many people do you think have watched the Think Celestial uh, talk that President Nelson gave? Uh, you mean
2: like this video on YouTube or total
1: including TV? Uh, just uh, this, this is the church's official channel on General Conference. If you want to find this talk, I think the vast majority of people mm-hmm. would come to the church's official channel, and this is the most watched out of all of the talks. How many people do you think have watched it in the last two weeks? I would venture to guess three hundred thousand views. Oh my gosh, you are so smart. Um, it's two hundred and twelve thousand people. Oh, Very okay. Good. Okay. Yeah, not exactly the hundreds of millions that we were hoping for. There, not exactly the hundreds of millions, but um, a couple last um, a couple last um, I, I looked at this as well. President Nelson's most viewed uh talk of all time was oh. the one that he gave. It was an Easter message that he gave back in twenty I want to say twenty nineteen. I can't remember the exact uh okay. yeah. exact um exact year. It was called Forgiving Others an Easter message from President Russell M. Nelson. This is his most viewed clip. It was five minutes long and it has an astonishing twenty two million people have watched this clip, which is pretty good. That's, yeah. Yeah. Not bad. That that's not bad, except for there's just one small caveat here, Ryan, and that's that Mormon Stories did an episode about how the church um, very much likely bought those views by investing millions of dollars into AdSense campaigns and Google and and the YouTube campaign to punch this thing up in the algorithm. So, yes, you can get to hundreds of millions, David Bednar. It's just going to cost you a couple of million dollars to do it, but, you know, wouldn't put it past the church to do it at all.
2: Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Just for my little bit of background with creating content with TikTok, you can get those views even if it doesn't naturally go viral. You can pay it to go viral. And TikTok is always trying to convince you to pay them to show more people. I can see the the church finding ways to do that in order to uh, get – well, to justify getting their message out there. But – but really just
1: to get more views. Yep. But to just get more views, naturally church official content in its lifespan, will get a couple hundred thousand views, just like you saw the think celestial is at like 200,000. It's not going to go that much more up because as we know, profits uh, council, it's not like comic books. It doesn't gain value over time. So so those views are not going to go up (laughs) very much. Um, But if you want to get those 20 million views that you can pay for it, you can just uh, tap a little bit of those tithing funds and you people wonder what tithing goes for i don't think that they realize that maybe some of it's going for um chinese bot views on youtube you know what i mean yep
2: yeah, yep yeah. you remind me that the, the thing celestial talk a lot of people have been upset about but we might not have to be upset about it for very much longer because we only listen to living prophets and he's very soon here not going to be a living prophet because He's nearing a century old, and he's showing signs of age. I wonder how long we'll still have Russell with us
1: um, that does make me wonder if, for instance, uh how long he will be around will he make the hundredth birthday and have a big celebration i certainly um I certainly hope so for his sake, but it does remind me you know how many temples that he's announced over time you know. This is his big legacy project is that he's announced, mm-hmm. I think it's 160 temples out of the 330 that have been announced. He's responsible for almost half of the temples. And will they? he won't be around probably to see all of them to completion because it usually takes mm-hmm. between three and five years from the announcement of a temple until the ground is broken on it, which does mm-hmm. remind me, Ryan, of... You know, he announced uh, back in uh, April, one of his first temples, he was very um, happy to announce back in April 1st, 2018. This was his very first general conference. He announced the temple in Russia while speaking over the pulpit. And guess what? 5.5 years later, no city has been selected. No renderings are available. No ground has been broken. I bet this never gets built so much for prophecy. What What do you think?
2: Well, uh, I was really excited back then. I was totally all in when that was announced five and a half years ago. I remember how exciting that was uh, to have a temple announced in Russia. So now five and a half years later to have no progress. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people are disappointed. This is not actually the first time this has happened. Uh, not only counting temples that were prophesied about, like in the Doctrine and Covenants, uh, that uh, like Adam and Dial on the island type of, Places that were never built, but there were modern temples as well that this has happened before there was one in uh, New York Uh, It's now The Manhattan temples area. There was a temple that was announced in 1998 I want to say that the people in the area put up a huge fight and said we don't want this temple here And ultimately the church caved and there is still no temple there
1: well they they are are refurbishing the Ma- that they what they did in, in Manhattan is that they, they took a stake center essentially in Manhattan they converted it into a temple yeah
2: yeah that's uh, that's what ended up happening because of this other area I forget the name of that harrisburg i think it's Harrisburg in New York that they announced that still doesn't exist, so instead people in that area go to the Manhattan temple that ended up being refurbished slash built instead.
1: Yeah. And that Manhattan temple is now uh, has been announced to be undergoing refurbishment as well. So the church is not only doing a a esoteric global building spree of these temples, uh, announcing 20 Mm -hmm. in the last conference, which is probably somewhere in the neighborhood of a billion dollars in temples, but Um, In just the last conference alone, but it's also in the refurbishing of temples, including the Salt Lake Temple, including recently the St. George Temple, including the Manhattan Temple, many Mm -hmm. temples, including the Washington, D.C. Temple, which was the church's Mm -hmm. longest refurbishment of a temple ever, by the way, was Washington, D.C. It took them four years to refurbish them. So the amount of money that is being spent not only in new temple construction, but in temple maintenance and in refurbishment is very very significant and as you mentioned some of these temples like in urda nevada that was a temple that never got built the temple that you're referencing Mm -hmm. i've got to look that one up but we also have the shanghai temple in china Uh, that's nowhere near completion so this uh legacy piece for president nelson um of you know building all of these temples and spending all of this money it's not quite panning out the way that um i think that he wanted any last thoughts on these temples here ryan
2: Uh, Well, I was just surprised at the sheer number of temples. This was the second highest number of announced temples in general conference. And considering how much temple, how much money each temple costs to build each temple costs somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 to $70 million per temple might start to go down a little bit as they're starting to use these, whatever it's called
1: building block temples where it's built. Prefabricated.
2: Yeah. Prefabricated temples. But, uh, there was the disaster in Maui with the fires there, and the church gave money to Maui, a whole $1 million, and yet they just announced 20 temples, each of which might cost $40 million to build one temple, and uh, they, they, uh, it just goes to show where their heart is, where your money is, your heart is.
1: Right. And, and and in Maui, uh, I think it was five Latter-day Saints who died in those horrible wildfires, and many, yeah. many others lost homes. But what did the yeah. church do to um, in, in that situation? Not only did President Nelson not go to minister himself, not only did any member of the Quorum of 15 go, really yeah, no senior scene. leader of the church went. They sent, uh, I believe, the area authority, which was from California, one person out. And the saints are in significant suffering. And what did they get? One million. Anybody who's been to Hawaii, that you can't even build one house for a million dollars. The saints there needed significant support and help. Yeah. And what did they get? Mm-hmm. They got a second temple to be announced in Hawaii. Um, I think that's the second temple that's being announced yeah. in Hawaii. Um, On the island of Maui.
2: Yeah.
1: Right. Instead of rebuilding homes for people who are some of them are still homeless. Some of them are still suffering. Instead, we're getting another temple in Hawaii when there's one that is quite close nearby. So like you said, the priorities of the church um, are revealed by the amount of money that is spent. Yeah, just like Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount, that there where, uh, where your heart is, there will your treasure be also. A couple, of other, a couple of other news articles um, that we looked at this week, and this was an interesting one here that dropped on the Salt Lake Tribune here, Ryan. It says, Natalie Brown, neurodiversity may explain why Latter-day Saints experience church policies, practices, and preachings in various ways. It could explain, for instance, why some women see the faith as sexist and some other women don't. What was this article? Uh, can you bring us up to speed on this article? What is this article uh, telling us here, Ryan? Ryan?
2: uh well i thought this article is interesting in the word neurodiversity uh they're not talking necessarily about diagnoses like adhd or anything like that uh just referencing the fact that everyone is different everyone's brain functions and thinks and reacts differently and yet within the church we have a prescribed way of living there are all these commandments that the more the, the more closely you are in line with these prescribed commandments and these presri- prescribed programs, then the more righteous you are perceived. There's even the temple recommend that correlates with that. And yet, some people function better with rules. Some people function better with more fluidity. Everyone is is a little different, and yet there is no flexibility within the church within. Uh, how people are expected to live, even like within the missionary program, missionaries are sent out to convince people not only to get baptized but then but then, hey, the men go to church in white shirts doesn't matter what your local culture is here. We go to church to church in a white shirt and tie that type of thing. We need to very much stay in line, and that just doesn't work well for some people, so I appreciated that article bringing to light the fact that we do need more. Flexibility, more compassion for others who are not like us.
1: Yeah, if there's anything in your TikTok channel that you are a champion of, it's compassion towards other people and i think that's why you're extremely authentic and very very approachable and that's obviously the reason that you have the following that you do and i think that this article also really highlights if you watch like patrick mason um you know the uh, an, an apologist i know he doesn't like that term but um he talks about how the church works really well for people like him meaning that mm-hmm. you know he's white he's cisgender he's mm-hmm. married he's um you know a utah guy um and what this article points out is that You know there's a lot of neurodiversity out there the way that people respond especially to prescribed rules and commandments and fiats and in situations in which they have no true common consent it it varies greatly and you know the you know the rules that surround people's lives it's it's a very complicated thing and you know people have a variety of approaches to it and the problem here is that the church is really it's a one-size-fits-all organization Meaning yeah. this, this is supposed to be the plan of salvation. It's supposed to work for everyone on the planet. But the problem is, is that people's neural makeups and the way that they respond to things is very much different. And the church has a very challenging time really trying to, um, you know, kind of have a, you know, I'm an educator, so I should know this, be able to have a, a diversity of approach with people, you know.
2: Yeah. Yeah. There was actually, we were talking about general conference a few minutes ago. There was actually a general conference talk that, that touched on this in the Saturday evening session. There were only four talks, but the third of the four was Tamara Roonia. And she, I mean, if you want to listen to a general conference talk that is truly inspiring, it is hers. As she, she even says at one point regarding someone who's, Uh, who's going through a hard time in in a way that you might not understand, she touches on empathy and says, uh, encourages you to think, how would I have to feel in order to say what they just said? And so there are people within the church, uh, even in the upper ranks of the church, uh, she's not an apostle and can never be an apostle, but but it is out there with people who do understand that there is a huge amount of neurodiversity and we do have a huge need of compassion, of reaching out, of understanding people who are different than us. I think that's a one thing that the church could really make huge strides in if we were to capitalize on her message.
1: Yeah, and, the think so, and President Nelson's final address from General Conference, to think celestial and never take advice from those who don't believe, that definitely goes the opposite direction. And what was interesting, Ryan, is that this week I was listening to This Week in Mormons, which is another LDS Contemporary News podcast. And I like to listen to all of them out there. And they actually talked about that address and they said, you know what, maybe in general conference, maybe we need to have some licensed therapists or some psychologists check these uh, check the general conference addresses so that we're not doing any harm to people in general conference because they, this is this is week in Mormons, by the way, they're saying these old guys, they don't know the harm that they're doing when they're talking about never take counsel from nonbelievers or some of the other things. They would just be nice if instead of general conference talks going through correlation, what if they also went through, you know, a licensed therapists so that people are not inflicting harm upon others?
2: Oh, I think that can make a huge difference uh that's uh, that's not the church's priority but uh, but that could make a huge difference for so many people as as president Nelson talked about things celestial and he he even gave so many examples of when you get an injury like mine things celestial when someone else is going through our time things celestial and uh in, instead if if we were to so actually, I saw this TikTok where someone suggested if he had changed his message to think compassion, what difference would that make in, in someone's life?
1: Yeah. Uh, think celestial when you're uh, hoarding $300 billion. Oh, no, that's that's not thinking. celestial. Yeah. We, <laughs> went, we went through our Mormon joke, our, our Mormon poll of the week last week. We went through all of the ridiculous ways in which you could think celestial. And I thought we did a pretty good job with that poll. You can go back. To I appreciate it about it. Yeah. 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 That was a pretty good. There's, poll. Yeah, it was. I, I like that poll. Unfortunately, we didn't get a poll this week, but uh, yeah, I do like their Mormon Joe, uh, our mormon polls of the week you know a couple of other articles here to get through here we try to get these through in about a, an hour-long show here um james huntsman once again he's back in the news he's not letting go uh, on the lds church why he left sued it, and what he hopes to change in it this was a really interesting look behind the scenes because you know for the first couple of years of james huntsman's lawsuit in his attempt to try to get his uh, tithing back he was completely silent he gave no um he gave no interviews to the media He didn't do anything. But now he's he's done a recent interviews with the United Kingdom's Daily Mail. He did The Washington Post. And now he's doing a question and answer with the Salt Lake Tribune um, regarding his motivations. And I thought that this was a very revealing article. Um, What did anything surprise you about this article and reading through James Huntsman?
2: Well, the biggest thing that surprised me was actually regarding why he was so quiet about it, and now he's not he points he claims in his interview there that he did not want to go public, he did not want there to be a lawsuit. He wrote to the church multiple times uh requesting and then demanding his tithing back, and in these back and forth between him and the church as the church was refusing, and he kept saying no but 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 yeah, you really should the church reached out to a family member of his, he doesn't say who, in order to pressure him to let it go. He wasn't telling anybody. He points out that his family has a great reputation for great reasons. There's the Huntsman Cancer Institute that has used uh, probably billions of dollars of the, at this point to do so much good for so many people, and he doesn't want to ruin that legacy in any way, shape, or form, and yet the church... Didn't so much care about that. They reached out to his family member who, from my understanding from this article, didn't know about it. Didn't know what was going on, but they so much didn't care as much as they cared about not giving back the money that he gave them.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is that James Huntsman and his family, they um they are well off. There's absolutely no doubt about that. And they, they have a modest, they, they've done a huge amount of good, both within the state of Utah and without using Mm -hmm. their significant resources they've given so much of it away and i think that that really gives james huntsman's um you know he's very conflicted about it from the article but it really gives him a better leg to stand on because his family and their um very their generosity is well known they've given away Mm -hmm. a lot of their wealth and he brings that up and he said you know If my foundation had the same kind of resources that the church had, we could do so much more. And that's another one of his issues with the church is the fact that, you know, the church is giving away, as we mentioned, just a couple of million dollars per year, which is a lot more than I've given away. Um, Or this last year, they gave away 200 million, which is the most that they've ever done. That's a significant amount of giving. But James Huntsman points out that there is so much more that could be given. And, you know, he, he felt betrayed. He wanted to keep it a secret. He felt specifically that his tithing, he said he thought that it was going to be used for humanitarian purposes. Humanitarian purposes are very important to James Huntsman. And when Mm -hmm. he gave his money to the church under the auspices that it would be used for humanitarian purposes and that it would not be used for commercial ventures such as the building of City Creek Mall, then when he found out. That it was used for the uh, for essentially it was used a for City venture, yeah, mm-hmm. by a commercial venture, one point four billion dollars. Um, some of that was his money, and he paid significant amount of money to the church, millions of dollars. I think it was five million dollars. When he found out that his money, far from being used for humanitarian purposes, was being used for commercial purposes, and also he found out later after he filed the lawsuit that it was being used to just go into a hedge fund to. Provide uh, stock dividends to rich, egg-headed Wall Street executives—that really burned his, uh, that really galled him a lot.
2: Yeah, yeah, it makes sense Uh, with his family legacy, which you know they made millions, they made a fortune, and then used it for great purposes. And the church here is making a fortune as well, and they could have, at best, used it for charity, and at worst, used it for, say, building a temple to build build God's kingdom. And instead, they built a mall with it. And so I can totally understand how upsetting that would be to someone like James Huntsman, who gave a lot of money expecting it to be used for good things. And it wasn't just assumed to be used for good things. There was Gordon B. Hinckley saying over the pulpit that we are not going to use your tithing money to build this mall. And then come to find out that's exactly what they did.
1: Yeah. And other statements. That was you're referencing uh, President Hinckley's 2003 statement, Where he said Uh that it would um that no tithing would be has been or would be used for tithing. Instead, it would be coming from invested reserves. Well, invested reserves and tithing are the exact same thing. I'm sorry they are. Okay, so that's the problem. Yeah, yeah. I
2: think that's a funny justification when it's not tithing, it's tithing that we invested and we made it grow. Bigger, and then we use that instead. <laughs> like, right. is that really different? And that's the whole court case. That is what this. If it actually goes to court, that is the question that has to be decided: is that tithing, or is it no longer tithing because they made it grow bigger first?
1: Right. And that's what the circuit court has already, the the three panel judges, two of the three of them said that a reasonable juror could conclude that Mm -hmm. invested reserves and tithing are ostensibly the same thing. A reasonable person, we don't make a differentiation. If I put my money in my savings account, I put $100 in, and then later on, I take out, uh, you know, five years later, I take out $3 of it. But I say, okay, this wasn't from the initial nest egg. So it has nothing to do with the initial nest egg. Most people say, no, it's all the same thing. You made $3 in interest. It's all from the initial nest egg. That's what the circuit court has said. So the, the the one other thing I just wanted to highlight is for the first time also from James Huntsman, what we get from him is his reasons for leaving the church, which up until this point, he mm-hmm. has not mm-hmm. said. And he said that his reason for leaving the church was the active. What did he say here? The mis- The major issue I want to flag, he said, is the LDS churches continued to embrace an active doctrine of polygamy. So he said that even though right. that the church has abandoned conducting civil uh marriages in polygamous civil marriages even in countries or places in which they are legally allowed to have polygamy even though the church is not engaged in that practice any longer it's still on the books in heaven and that concept to him was appalling and that was the thing that led to his uh directly led to his uh faith erosion and eventually leading the church any last thoughts on uh james huntsman and the lawsuit here ryan uh
2: no uh, i've just enjoyed learning about polygamy myself and there's a lot of pain in the history of polygamy and currently in those who fear heaven because heaven is supposed to be you know, filled with polygamists. essentially that is the doctrine that is still the doctrine and it's uh, and it's really scary it's a real fear for a lot of people and and uh, so that I totally understood and related to that when I saw that that was a major point in him leaving the church or in, in losing belief in the church. You know, that kind of makes sense because that's, that's a difficult doctrine to swallow.
1: Yeah, it still is a stumbling block for people not only leaving the church, but people joining the church altogether. You know, it's still it's still out there because, you know, we've we've covered in the Mormon News Roundup that uh, almost 35 percent of Americans think that Mormons still practice polygamy when they hear Mormon, they think polygamy. So if you have 35 percent of people who think that you're um, marrying multiple wives, that's a serious problem in our modern day society. And mm-hmm. as we covered before, the church, it doesn't really want to get into the polygamy. It wants to forget about it. It doesn't want to bring it up. It doesn't want to try to see if you have a brand problem. The church really has a brand problem when it comes to polygamy. They need mm-hmm. to you know, very much disassociate themselves with polygamy so that modern day Americans, you know, only 50,000 people in the United States joined the church in the last two years. Two years, that is absolutely a drop in a bucket. So the church needs to change its brand and say that polygamy, like President Higley said, is not doctrinal and we don't do it and we disavow it and we don't have anything to do with it. But they can't do that because it's still on the celestial books. That's the entire problem with the James Huntsman face yep. and so many other people face. Yeah,
2: yep. and there, there was one more thing regarding his case that I realized I wanted to point out that the church is trying to make this case into a freedom of religion case. James Huntsman pointed out, it was maybe a week, a week or two ago now, that, you know, four judges now have made rulings about this case, and while two of the four think that it should go to courts to be decided by a jury, four out of four have voiced that this has nothing to do with freedom of religion. It is simply a case of fraud.
1: Exactly. So, I mean, th- th- that's, ex- that's the entire point. The church, The church could have kept their mouths silent on the City Creek Mall. They could have said nothing, and James Huntsman would not have a leg to stand on, nor would anybody else have a leg to stand on. What the church does with Mm -hmm. your tithing, they can do almost anything with tithing donations, almost anything, including enriching the senior leaders of the church. When you give to a church, that pastor can buy a car with it. He can fly to Maui with it. There's almost nothing Mm -hmm. that a religion can't do with donations. The only thing that a religion can't do with donations is say, we're not going to do something, and then do it. That's the problem. That's the fraud. It has nothing to do with the religion. It has everything okay. to do with fraud.
2: Yeah, so it'll be really interesting to see how this case unfolds. The, what I have seen pointed out is if it makes it to court, then that is the ultimate goal of so many people, because then the church will be forced to open up their books in order to prove their point. And that's what the church is trying to prevent, is to not have to open up their books. They don't want to reveal the man behind the curtain. We'll see what Absolutely. happens.
1: Absolutely not. And that, you know, the church in the discovery phase, in the initial district court in the discovery phase, which is where people are supposed to lay open their books, the church very much said that we don't want to lay our books open because that would Mm -hmm. do undue harm to the church. And what was the reason why they said it? Because it would subject the church's finances to outside scrutiny. The church doesn't want to be accountable to its members. It doesn't want to be accountable to the government with the SEC. The church doesn't want to be accountable to anyone for anything that's most that's, that's that's important.
2: fascinating to me when they were just fined i mean it's been a few months ago now they were fined five million dollars for lying and it's not just, just unethical but illegal activity with hiding their money and yet still we have this case where they're saying oh no we don't want to open up their books uh, our, our books because it'll do harm to the church will it
1: really though <laughs> is that really the reason <laughs> well we'll wait and see so the church you know the the, the 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 circuit court said to um, said the two two out of the three judge panel of the circuit courts said send it back down to the district. The church said time out. We want you to appeal and we want to appeal that. And we want you to take another look at it. So this is going to take a lot more time. Yeah. We'll be watching it here at the Mormon News Roundup. A couple last articles here to round it out here. This was a fascinating look here. Um, this is a new poll that was put out here from KUER uh, 90.1. And this was published on October 9th, uh, 2023. Only 10% of Latter-day Saints see climate change as a crisis survey find. So if you look at the percentage who say that climate change is a crisis, what do you notice here, Ryan, between, you know, it compares Jews, uh, Catholics, white Catholics, uh, mainline Protestant, white evangelicals, all Americans. What do you notice about how how do Latter-day Saints stack up when it says the percent of those who uh, think that climate change is a crisis?
2: Well, this is shocking because other groups, there's, White Catholic is at 20%. The biggest is Jewish is at, what is that, 32%. Latter-day Saints is sitting down there at 10%. There's only one other group that's lower than that, and that's white evangelicals, only two points lower at 8%. This was shocking for me to see because of how much Latter-day Saints claim to uh, to be like a, a scientifically led... Uh, I remember going to BYU and talking about how God is the ultimate scientist, so it doesn't hurt anyone's faith to learn about any science, even evolution, because maybe that's how God, used, how God created the earth. He's the ultimate scientist, and yet here we are essentially denying science.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's what the article points out, is that there's not only that, it's that for, uh, over half of Latter-day Saints um, let, let me pull this one up here for you. I'm, I'm kind of stumbling here. Percentage of Latter-day Saints who feel a deep spiritual connection with nature. Um, the, Latter-day Saints, 73% of them feel a deep spiritual connection with nature, and yet only 10% of them really think that climate change is an issue. And that really got me thinking this week. I was saying, you know, why is there such a disconnect? If Latter-day Saints are, feel such, an, a, a, it's so important. Nature is so important. Latter-day Saints are generally well-educated. Um, Why do they feel almost no compunction to deal with climate change at all, see it as a serious issue? There's a huge disconnect here. And I just wonder what could the reason be between that disconnect?
2: My speculation is, as we've been talking
1: about the church
2: building so many temples, they have been stressing attending the temple in order to justify building so many temples, and when you attend the temple, the main thing they you do over and over and over again is the endowment session where you watch a film that's like an hour long about Adam and Eve and the creation and how beautiful the earth is and how beautiful these creations are that God has made for us. And uh, so that's where I see the, this correlation with uh, with Latter-day Saints being connected with nature uh, on that aspect, but at the same time, they're looking forward to the second coming and what precedes the second coming is the earth being purified or burned. And so from a Christian and Latter-day Saint perspective, we don't have any responsibility to take care of the earth because eh, it's going to be burned anyway. And that is so frustrating to me where I, I want my children to have, have healthy air to breathe And yet, it's like my neighbors don't even care about
1: that. Yeah, it's always like the second coming is just around the corner. And when Jesus comes again, he'll take care of the earth. So we don't need to worry about it. If you live in an apocalyptic mindset, meaning that the end of the world is always right around the corner, then you feel no responsibility to take care of this planet. And therefore, climate change would be a low priority. The other issue that I have that maybe can explain that disconnect that we talked about is the fact, think about General Conference, which just took place two, uh, two weeks ago. I watched I think I watched every session. I'm not sure I might have missed one or two. But did anybody really talk about climate change? Did anyone really talk about, uh, you know, um, conserving Mm -hmm. resources or sustainability or anything along along those lines, including the presiding bishopric, who their entire job is supposed to be temporal affairs? No, um, not from my knowledge. And maybe if they did, it was a glancing blow. Certainly less than one percent of General Conference would have been dedicated to anything like this. So that, you know, members of the church get their marching orders, their priorities from the quorum of the 15. And when the quorum of the 15 consistently do not address these type of issues that are one of the most existential issues of our time, if they don't address it, then that's the, they're getting their priority from there. And they say, well, if it's not a priority for them. Then it's not going to be a priority for me either. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That makes sense. They've been uh, stressing obedience to the commandments and, attending the temple like i said like i said a minute ago and so the more you attend the temple the less you're listening to the news of the world and and keeping up with what is important to your neighborhood and your community and the world as a whole because you're focusing more and more on the temple itself which shuts its off, shuts people away from the world kind of on purpose to 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 keep them spiritually connected with God, which could be a good thing, except for the fact that then you're not paying attention to anything else that's happening around you.
1: Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a good point. If you look at the way that the church has used its resources, as, as, we, as you said, in, in building a lot of temples, but also who does the church, do, when they donate money, who did do they donate it to? They donated to Fighting Hunger, uh, to UNICEF, to the Red Cross, to... um uh unesco those type of things which are generally for you know feeding people and housing people and things along those lines to my knowledge not not to to my knowledge i've never seen the church donate to something that would help out with any type of climate refugees you know resettling people whose uh ha- you know you know people who live in Kiribati whose uh, islands are are being flooded and they have to be relocated the church never seems to donate to anything regarding climate change and that again reveals the church's priorities mm-hmm. If or, if you're a member and the church, they never talk about it. It's not really much on the website at all. They don't give any resources to it. It's not really talked about uh, over the pulpit at the local level because it's, quote, too political, even though it really has nothing to do with politics whatsoever. Then you're going to figure, well, fine, then this isn't a priority for me. There's bigger fish to fry. Yeah, well,
2: well, I grew up in the 90s and I remember the conversations about how many people just did not believe that there was a climate crisis that that uh, global warming even existed in the first place and the people who are leading the church now they're not just in their 70s they're in their 80s and 90s president nelson's 99 uh in several months he'll turn 100 years old like in in the 90s he was already an old man and <laughs> and so that this is the mindset that we have leading the church is those who uh who Did not know at first that there was a climate crisis and then at least their peers denied that there was a climate crisis. I don't know what they personally think, but their generation does not like to admit that there's a climate crisis.
1: Well, you also have to think about, even though President Nelson is basically, you know, he could be considered a scientist, of course, because he's a medical doctor. He's yeah. one of the only people who could be considered a scientist in, mm-hmm. since the death of Joseph, uh, the, the death of Joseph F. Merrill, who was an engineer who I believe died back in the 1960s. I don't think we've had a scientist mm-hmm. since then. Um, probably for the, Probably because we've had Joseph Fielding Smith was so anti-science and he was, um, you know, so influential for a long time that he would not appoint anyone could get through with Joseph Fielding Smith around. But the point of the matter is, is that think about President Nelson and his scientific acumen. He says that dogs have always been dogs. He's denied evolution. He's a young earth creationist. He said that the earth is 6,000 years old and the young adult devotional last year. He's talked about biblical yeah. patriarchs who live to be thousands, hundreds of years old, thousands of years old. He believes in a literal Tower of Babel. He believes in Noah's flood. When you have someone who is making claim after claim of scientific claims that believes that the, the 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 fables that come from from the scriptures from the book of mormon from the bible who believes those fables literally then you're trying to tell tell that same person hey can you take a look at this science that we have over here it's very hard to take someone who's 99 years old and steer them to correct science um after they have filled their head with so yeah. so many uh, disproven scientific facts
2: you can't teach an old dog new trick, and he is a very, very old dog. <laughs> he's been yeah. around for, as he pointed out himself, he has been around for almost ten whole decades. Yes, he has. That could be that could be a benefit to people in the church, and it could be a hindrance if he's not willing to continue to learn.
1: Well, and and that's the thing about President Nelson is that what has he said about um, what he calls. How do you learn? How does President Nelson espouse that a person should learn? He says that you should learn only from trusted sources. It's a circular line of reasoning. You don't open yourself up to outside sources of knowledge because he says that we should only be learning from what he calls pillars of truth, meaning the standard works, meaning LDS prophets, learning from Al Gore. That's not on his radar. Yeah, Al Gore. In fact, he should, he said oh, yeah. you should never take counsel from those who don't believe. Some people want to want, want to make that out as he's saying, Oh, don't take spiritual counsel. I disagree. He said, don't take counsel from those who don't believe, and that would include climate scientists and, and people along those lines.
2: Well well, pushing back a little bit, looking at the the entire paragraph within context, it seems like he is talking about spiritual matters, I think it might have been on purpose that he left out the word spiritual so that you can interpret it to mean anything. But assuming that he was even meaning spiritual, what in Mormonism is not spiritual? Up until four years ago, every single life decision of mine was made with the church in mind. What would make it like it? As a young man, I thought about how neat it would be to go to pilot school and become a pilot. And you know why I didn't? Because I couldn't hold down a calling in my ward if I was a pilot. And that was the reason why I did not even look into how or where to go to pilot school to become a pilot. So I thought now about, like, could I go to pilot school now? and start a start a new career now, as I'm getting close to my forties uh, but yeah what in what in Mormonism is not spiritual? everything is spiritual,
1: isn't it? Well, yeah, it's like what Brigham Young said he said if there aren't any truths in the world, they belong in Mormonism, and he did use the word mormonism hey okay? yeah. um so, and, you know, and Joseph Smith said that all intelligence is spiritual. It's just more refined. So essentially all matter is spiritual matter. All the energy of the universe is spiritual in form. That's going back to the intelligence, the concept of an intelligence as Joseph Smith taught it from the King Follett discourse and other discourses. So, yeah, mm-hmm. your point is absolutely um, is is right on. That's for sure. Okay, couple, um, last articles here to take us out of here. Um, and I'm sure you, you've probably been watching here the, uh, you know, the, the terrible war that's happening, yeah, uh, the terrible conflict in, uh, in Palestine and in, um, in Israel and Palestine here. Um, and the BYU Jerusalem Center tweeted this out that all students at the BYU Jerusalem Center have been reported as safe and accounted for following the Hamas militant groups attack on southern Israel on Saturday morning, October 7th, according to the university statements here. And, um, you know, everybody's thankful for that in, in the comments. It's a, they say it's very upsetting. I do find it very interesting. I just wanted to make one comment about it, is that if everyone wasn't uh, accounted for, if things were in trouble, do you think that it would still be printed by the Deseret News? That's that's the question. I know it's a hypothetical. What do you think?
2: Yeah, it, it's tough to say because sometimes, say, when a missionary dies, you don't hear it on KSL or Deseret News. You hear it from some other some other news source. It's it's tough to say whether how forthcoming they would be if their students were put in harm's way and were actually hurt.
1: Yep, yeah, that's that's what I'm wondering. If everything wasn't uh, all well in Zion, if Zion was not prospering, would we hear about it? I know it's hypothetical. I do wonder about that. But I, it also makes me kind of reminds me of... Uh, You know, that old uh, section from Revelation chapter 11, it says, um, this is from the church's uh, edition of the scriptures. It says, in the last days, two prophets will be slain in Jerusalem, and after three and a half days, they will be resurrected, and then Christ will reign upon the earth. Remember that old scripture from Revelations? Yeah,
2: yeah. I always wondered about that. When will that happen,
1: and who is it going to (laughs) be? Well, let me tell you this, Ryan, that that is not going to happen any time soon, because, for instance, President Nelson... He has not left the state of Utah except one time in the last four years, and he went on a weekend jet away to uh, Washington, D.C. Temple. And Is that as right? That- He's been in Utah the whole time, other than that? He has not left the state of Utah except for, for one weekend to dedicate the Washington, D.C. Temple in the last four years. Okay, wow, so. Man.
2: It's quite the, quite the statement for a, the leader of a worldwide church.
1: Right, yeah, he de- he doesn't go to Maui when there's a terrible disaster there. He didn't go to the Tonga, or the Tonga is the most um is the most Mormon place on earth. Um, the church claims fifty percent of Tongans are Latter Day Saints. It's not quite that high, but it is per capita. They had a, a terrible volcano uh, a year and a half ago. He didn't go to visit them. He doesn't go to visit Ukraine. He doesn't go to visit the Jerusalem Center and the Saints in Israel. Um. He doesn't go anywhere, and I don't think you're going to see that change when we have all of the people who are lined up to replace him. Oakes is in his 90s. Ballard is in his 90s. They're all extremely yeah. old. So to get these guys to Jerusalem, I promise you this: President Nelson will never step foot. You can, you can, you can write this down. He will never step foot in Jerusalem before right. he dies. So uh, that's just not going to happen. I mean, he just fell in the last general conference. He's not going anywhere does make me wonder how in the world this prophecy would ever be fulfilled by an LDS prophet since they can barely get out of bed. Yeah, I I would always
2: uh, justify in my mind that it has to be just one of the apostles who are all technically prophet seers and revelators. So my wife and I, up until a few years ago, would still uh, speculate who is it going to be? And when like, Elder Bednar is going to be the prophet one day, and he's going to be the prophet for at least a decade, maybe two, because of how young he is. So is he young enough, or is it going to be someone below him? (laughs)
1: Well, I I can tell you this, Ryan. If they hold the Silicon Slopes in Jerusalem...
3: Oh, that'll get them
1: there. there. (laughs) That's what
2: what needs to happen. When we hear that news, then we know the Second Coming
1: really is around the corner. That's all we need is another Silicon Slopes, because that's that's what we really need in order for uh, Elder Bednar to get himself to Jerusalem. Other than that, I don't see himself going there. That's all I can say here. Uh, Okay. hey, you found this article. You personally found this one. And uh, I just wanted you to why why did this tickle your fancy? It says, does does Mormonism ruin faith? And this is from the Catholic World Report. Why was this interesting to you, uh, Brian? Well, this was interesting
2: to me, partially because it's from a Catholic website about Mormonism, but it's speaking to the fact that when people leave the Mormon church, they don't just leave the Mormon church, they tend to leave religion as a whole. And that doesn't happen so much in other faith traditions, other faith traditions that are not as demanding, not as... I don't know if "fundamentalist" is the right word, uh, but this article points out that because like high the, always, the high, high demand, religions high demand. Yeah, because it's so high demand, there's a lot that someone has to do in leaving the church. There's um, a lot mentally. It's it's really taxing on a person because of all that goes into it, all that you've put your your life into, only to have a faith change that that this new perspective of this was all for naught, and then people tend to continue on from there and just go down this rabbit hole well if this wasn't the case then what else and i've seen it over and over again they deconstruct their mormon faith and then they deconstruct religion as a whole and then they deconstruct their politics and then they deconstruct their family relationships and they even psych psychology and uh, it, it's just you just keep going and going and you totally revamp your whole life so it's really interesting for me to see this recognized from a different source not from an ex-mormon not from a non-religious source but from a catholic source because it yeah, doesn't I mean, happen with their faith.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you, if you look at the article, it says that uh, only a third of people who leave the church end up in any organized religion. That's extraordinarily high levels of of of, of not not having religion altogether. And it says that 21 states have seen a decline in LDS membership in the last um, in the last period of time in the last year or two. And one of the biggest surveys is a Washington Post survey said that. 50% of Latter-day Saints in the last 15 years. 50% have disaffiliated themselves from the church from a period of 2008 until 2022. It went from 1.8 million people in the United States adults identifying themselves as Mormons down to 1.2. That's a 50% drop in only 15 years. So it's a 3%, 3% of people are leaving the church. So it's just talking about, you know, you know, when people leave the church, they leave extremely hard and they generally they become a lot of them just become atheists you know and it's the old stereotype Mm -hmm. they become angry atheists you know and
2: it's the the biggest the the fastest growing religious group in the united states maybe even i think it's just in the united states the statistic that i've heard are the nuns there's a nickname for the n-o-n-e-s nuns those who don't like to identify with any religious organization and that is the largest or the the fastest growing group in the United States right
1: now. Yeah, it definitely is. There's a lot of people who are leaving organized religion. It's not, not just the church, but across the board. You know, yeah. if you were to you know go in a time machine, go 400 years in the future, go 4,000 years into the future, the percentage of people who would still have a belief in God, if we are to believe all the surveys, every Every survey of organized religion ever since these surveys have been founded has showed that people are leaving religion, you know, this is kind of conspiratorial. But if we ever met an alien advanced civilization, I'd be very surprised if any of them believed in any super any, anything supernatural or any yeah. any supreme beings just because of the trajectory that people are currently on. And um, the church is, um, you know, when, when people leave, they just leave extremely hard. It really rips up a lot of families. It's very traumatic. And really, I think that's what what your uh, TikTok channel is kind of all about is saying, you know, from a heartfelt place, you say, Ryan, uh, you know, I've been where you have been. I've walked your same path. I feel your pain. And let's just let's empathize together. Let's ruminate. Let's have some compassion instead of think celestial. Let's just think um, um, instead of celestial. Let's just think think compassion.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's that's uh, one of my main goals is to. Help people be seen because when you leave the church it is hard it is hard on every aspect of you for for so many people and if I can just be a source of either like it's I make funny videos that might just be entertaining just to lighten someone's day or more serious videos to really try to connect with people if I can at least do that then mission
1: accomplished yeah absolutely now we're going to be watching your tiktok channel very carefully you've always got a lot of great stuff uh, on your channel i'm going to be following it see if i can get my channel anywhere near to yours i think it'll take a long time i don't know if i, I have it in me but i'm i'm watching and everybody else should watch it too i want to thank you so much ryan thanks for coming on the mormon news yeah, Roundup thank this week. thank you for having me this has been so much fun yeah, now we drop these uh, episodes live every Sunday night on YouTube at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you join us uh, in uh, at that time, you can interact with your humble host here. We'd be very grateful for that. Now, you can find us on Instagram. We're also on Instagram. We're on Facebook. And you can also drop us an email to colob at mormonnewsroundup.org. I want to give a shout out to Weird Ammo for this episode's music. And Ryan, thanks so much for ruminating with me on the Great and Spacious Beehive, as we call it. And remember, remember. No unhallowed hand can stop this podcast from progressing. So long.
3: When it comes to nicknames of the church, such as LDS Church, the Mormon Church, to remove the Lord's name from the Lord's Church is a major Major victory victory for Satan. 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 Satan.
2: Hey there, brothers and sisters. Thanks for listening to the Mormon News Roundup. And if you are enjoying this show, please consider making a donation. Patreon makes an important contribution to helping us ruminate on the great and spacious beehive here. So thanks so much
3: to everyone for for supporting us on Patreon.com.